What's up, all my meathead hippies? Welcome back. We have a great show for you. And by we, I mean myself and Sarah Morgan. Sarah Morgan and I filmed this probably in October, and we just have held off until some of her stuff launched because she's been wanting it to launch forever, and it finally did. It's called Buddies in My Belly. Uh, You can find all of it in the show notes. She is just incredible. And she actually is a huge piece of my body awareness project. We have five videos talking about more in-depth things on genes and um, things pertinent to skin because body awareness project and skin are such a, uh, that's the part one. But really with her, she introed me to Alex Swanson, who is another incredible podcast that you guys have to listen to if you're into this. I just, I love gene testing. It tells you so much about the body, but especially you know, 23andMe at a certain point last year in August, they cut all the fascinating things. And so Nutrition Genome Alex took it on his, took it upon himself to recreate it. And so really do listen to that podcast with Alex. You're going to hear so much today about the gut and buddies in in your belly. Uh, She has an incredible children's book, but it's so important for kids or for adults as well. So you're going to love it. Super nerdy stuff about the gut and how it's connected to our neurotransmitters, certain probiotic chains that affect very specific types of neurotransmitters, including GABA, which is our be calm. So if you have anxiety, seriously, just keep listening. You're going to love it. Uh, So yes, so excited to finally launch this. I've had it for a long time. It's one of my favorites and you're going to love it. Sarah Morgan, enjoy. Before I let you guys listen in and nerd out, There's so much stuff happening in my life, and I can't wait for you to be a part of it. So March 5th, I have two challenges running, version one and version two. Version one is just, if you've never done an MFIT challenge, oh my gosh, guys, seriously, try it. It's just macros and becoming a fat-adapted person, a fat burner, learning how to cut sugar, great workouts you can do at home or with the MPAC. Just a great place to start and reboot and learn. And then version two, which is also launching launching on March 5th, is just the nerdier version. So workouts are a little bit harder. Still, you can do them at home or with a pair of dumbbells, but really just talking about kind of the next step. So yes, we get the concepts of being a fat adapted person and we understand that sugar is bad and carbs need to be, you know, catered towards your activity level, but what's next? And so I have some great topics and great guests coming on about Ayurvedic medicine and fasting, um, detoxing and toxins. We have some great stuff about even SIBO, which is a small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And it's just really cool, nerdy things. And you're going to love it. It's fun for me to put together, which means it's going to be really fun and things you haven't heard before. Uh, I never put out new things that bore me. So I promise you won't be disappointed. All that's March 5th and it starts, um, yeah, on March 5th. And you go to emilystrom.com and you'll see it all. And I'm trying to think of what else I, the biggest thing I need help with is we just got on Amazon prime for MPAC. And we lost all our reviews and all our reviews on the impact.com. So if you leave a review uh, on either avenue, whether you get it through Amazon or you get it through Emily Strong or the impact.com, too many websites, uh, we're going to send you a snapback or a pouch. So please leave a review. Let us know you left it and we're going to reach out and give you guys some swag. We appreciate it so, so much. Um, and that's really the only thing I think I have to say. I'll be at the NTA conference this weekend. So if you're in Vancouver, Washington, I'll be uh, at the conference and then also at Gold's Gym 
lifting some weights. So I hope I can catch you at either one of those places. Uh, and I'll be at Expo West the following week with Epic Bar. So I'm really excited for some great stuff happening. Enjoy the podcast with Sarah Morgan. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Morgan, we have connected with a few different avenues, but I just, I love the way your brain works and I'm so thrilled that you are on my podcast today. So yes. welcome to, I just renamed this to Meathead Hippie. I love it. <laughs> so welcome to Meathead Hippie. Um, it is just so great to read about you and what you do, but you go by the Gene Queen. I and do. Where did you start? becoming fascinated in your career and in your studies with genes. What was really the, the light bulb that went off that you were like, this is, this is my career path. Yeah. So I've, I've been in the functional nutrition world for about 12 years now. And, um, I would say I got into genetics first and foremost, um, for my own story is where it really became significant. So, um, I was introduced to the, the world of genetics by, I would say he's a mentor of mine, Dr. Ben Lynch, and did a lot of training with him. And when I started targeting different pathways that I, I like to say were jammed up with a lot of traffic, that's when I really started to see an improvement with my health in a way that I honestly didn't even believe was possible. What was the, what were some of your big symptoms and big uh, roadblocks that you were, you were hitting? Yeah. So my, my big thing, and I'm really transparent about this. I think, you know, all of us have our strengths and weaknesses is um, my liver. My, my liver was, has always been really problematic. And with that, there's a big connection with liver and skin. And my skin has, has been like my biggest weak point of my health. So ever since I was a little kid, I've had all kinds of like rashes and eczema. And at one point when I was, um, I don't know, I was a teenager, I had a doctor say, Sarah, you're partially allergic to the sun, which I was like, what? <laughs> Impossible. Uh, you know, and then going through adolescence with acne and hormonal breakouts and, um, yeah, just, just a lot of skin stuff. So I, um, getting into some of the genetics, I realized that I had some major issues in my folate metabolism, which is vitamin B9. Mm. And the big one that a lot of us have heard about and are familiar with is MTHFR. And, um, you know, I like to break down genetics and make it really easy to understand because even that's like, what, what did you just say? What letter in what order? Uh, but, but that um, is in a really specific area. It's kind of like a bottleneck in traffic. And um, I have a 70% reduced function there hmm. um, in my ability to eventually make what are called methyl groups. And they're simple, like a water molecule, but very profound for the body. And one of the main things that these methyl groups are being used for is to make something called phosphatidylcholine. And it is crucial for your liver, gallbladder health, and then also your cell membranes. Mm. 
mm-hmm. uh, which we have trillions of them, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I started targeting that kind of stuff, uh, VO2 max, you know, anybody who's working out. I was the, I played um, uh, high school and college hockey. So I grew That's up- awesome. I get it, girl. That's awesome. (laughs) I was like always the one that my coach was like, Sarah, are you okay? (laughs) When we were at practice, because I get so red, like my oxygen utilization is pretty poor. And that was because of your methylation ability? Yeah. Yes. Um, So knowing how to support that has actually really helped even with my athletic performance for like ATP production. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's simple, but really profound things when you know how to look at it properly. I love it. I have so many notes that I just, I, I want to go on so many tangents. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm trying to like not go too crazy. This is going to yeah. be so fun to talk to you. So first off, I want to know when you realize, cause I've always connected with skin issues, gut issues. So oh. what was the trigger where you were like, this is, this is liver. Was it the test of your testing methylation and seeing that it was your methylation or were there other triggers with the liver that you saw instead? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's, it's really funny. I talked to a lot of my colleagues cause yeah, a lot of times, you know, in functional medicine and as functional practitioners, we say when in doubt, heal the gut, right? Like go after the gut. And I am a huge proponent of, you know, gut health and we can get into more specifics of things I'm working on with that. But I've done like every testing under the sun for myself and my gut function is amazing, which I was almost surprised about. Um, But that led me to think about, okay, so what are some of the other issues that could be related to, you know, what could be impacting my skin? So our liver filters our blood at a hundred gallons a day. Isn't that amazing? Wow. hundred gallons a day. And what it's doing is it's filtering things, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's distributing nutrients. It's, you know, um, transforming amino acids. It's doing all kinds of cool stuff, but it's also filtering out garbage from the bloodstream and that garbage gets dumped into our bile and then it goes into the gallbladder and then out in the GI tract and the intestinal tract. I call this system that's scientifically called the enterohepatic circulation. I call it poop out your problems. (laughs) (laughs) I like to make things fun, right? I'm serious about my science and I'm serious about health, but I'm, I liked it to be seriously fun too, because laughter leads to listening, right? Yeah. You know, when we have issues with what we call detoxification, that's where, you know, when things get clogged up, we can see skin issues come up too, because your body will try to push that garbage through your skin if it can't do it with your liver. And I feel like this is something I want to talk about because in, in the nutritional therapy space or kind of in the space of functional nutrition, from just my point of view, is I feel like when people see things get clogged up, they just get stuck on the lymph. So moving the lymph and, you know, like the the dry brushing or the jumping on trampolines. And I'm all for that whole movement, but I do think that there, I mean, I almost always feel like it's a gallbladder or liver thing instead of a lymph thing. And I, I'm just curious of your thoughts on that. Absolutely. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. So I am, I just wrote a children's book, Buddies in My Belly. It's a story about probiotics to teach about the importance of the microbiome 
my next book that my creative director is starting to work on is Poop Out Your Problems. And it's going to be for a little <laughs> audience, um, for kids too, because it's fun. But it's going to target that topic in a way that the general population can understand. Because mm -hmm. it is it is so important and it's something we miss. You know, medical students, I was originally planning on going to medical school they learn about the enterohepatic circulation, but we forget about some of these systems that are so crucial to our health. Mm, okay, so you took a test. What was the test? Was it um, a Dutch test or what kind of test did you find out that your methylation was impaired? So the biggest test that I looked at was genetics. So that's the SNP data. Okay, mm -hmm. so SNP is single nucleotide polymorphism. And I like to say this, whenever I do genetic consults with my clients, I start 10,000 feet up. Like, let's be a pilot in a plane for a second. What in the world are we talking about, right? Because we can throw out these terms and it's like, I, I get these like eyes looking at me like, what did you just say? And what language was that? So first of all, what I like to say is we, with the Human Genome Project, we were able to get a map or a blueprint of our genes as humans, okay? And what I like to say is our blueprints are kind of like blueprints for a house. If, you know, you've ever looked at a building that's being um, put together. Before they build it, they have blueprints. And then based off of what those blueprints look like, that's what the building or the house looks like. Mm. So when we have these blueprints and we're talking about SNP data, which is only a tiny portion of our genetic information. We're talking about these little changes that can happen to our blueprints is how I describe it. And most of our SNPs really don't do anything, right? Like we might be able to, going back to the analogy of blueprints, like, you know, you go to your architect and you're like, I really want to move my front door an inch to the left. Nobody's going to notice that, right? When you come over. But if you go to your architect and you're like, I have this awesome idea, it's really innovative, it's going to be the new style and trend, I'm going to take my front door and move it to the back of my house. So you like look at people, wave through the window, yeah, go around the gate, through the mud, you know, into the house in the back. It, so when we change where that front door is located to the back of the house, it really changes functionality. So some of these SNPs, actually do have an impact on what we're building um, and what we're building is enzymes and that's where it connects to our health so our genes are the blueprints that are building these 3d protein structures that are enzymes and these enzymes are doing work in the body or what i like to say they're running all these metabolic pathways our metabolism and what we want to say is, hey, can your enzyme get up and run and do a bunch of burpees and whatever it wants to do, you know, when it needs to do it? Is it kind of like, man, I busted my ankle and I'm using crutches to get around? Or was it in a car accident and it, you know, broke two legs and it's in a wheelchair? Hmm. So that when you say, hey, I'm really stressed out or in pregnancy, for instance, we have higher demands, an enzyme that's in a wheelchair is gonna have a really hard time keeping up with those needs. And this is where genes also interact with environment and our situation, our stage of life even. So yeah, when we're looking at SNPs, and we can look at these tests, going back to your question, 
we're looking at blueprints that are building these enzymes. And then what we're actually looking at in research is what's called enzyme kinetics. How well do they function? Now we also have this awesome thing where the genes and the enzymes are named the same thing. So it gets kind of confusing. Okay. Oh yeah, that is confusing. (laughs) I always say, take a deep breath. (laughs) walk through this and you know we're going to talk about how this looks for you individually Mm -hmm. and it's important too you know I just tell people we never just want to look at genes in and of themselves they're kind of the new trend and they're exciting right it's fun to know but we have to pair it with somebody's medical timeline you know their history Um, are you under a lot of stress are you you know um, pregnant Um, how's your sleep? How's your food? How's your environment you're living in? And we piece those together because even a gene that looks great can actually be poor functioning because of your lifestyle. Hmm. Or on the other side, you can actually do nutrient therapy, what I call it, use nutrients to take, uh, you know, an enzyme that's in a wheelchair and let it run. You know, we heal the ankles everything's fine from the car accident, you're up and running again. For sure. And is that what you do for your MTHFR mutation? Absolutely. And then um, the PEMT is the, that's the gene and the uh, enzyme, right? Same name Mm. that allows you to make that phosphatidylcholine. So one of the main things I do, I actually swallowed one this morning, is I I take phosphatidylcholine daily. That's awesome. My liver, yeah, and cell membrane integrity. And do you take pretty religiously uh, folate or B nine? I don't actually. So I'm I'm also a really big fan of doing nutrient testing along with genetic testing, so we can actually see biomarkers in real time of these different pathways to say like, hey, you, your genes may say this could be an area that's problematic, but let's actually look. Hmm right now if it is a problem. So the last time I checked, which I do labs on myself pretty regularly, I want to know how I'm doing. My folate was actually great. My folate status. Yeah. So and I try to pound green leafy vegetables. You know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm not perfect. It's not about perfection, but I try to be as excellent as I can. So you can compensate, let's say for MTHFR. Um, that's making the active form of folate, vitamin B9, just by eating raw leafy greens on a regular basis. Mm. So we don't have to, you know, I tell people all the time, you don't have to be fearful about your genes. Um, it's really important to be empowered about them and know, know what, you know, the, is going on in terms of your strengths and weaknesses. First, use food right? Food first always mm-hmm. and lifestyle. And then we use supplementation as needed, even sometimes only in certain seasons or periods of time to kind of get the body back into balance. Do you take to check your nutrient profile um, or just your folate? Is it just a standard blood test that you're taking pretty consistently? Yeah, great question. So I um, I use uh, functional testing. I don't know if you want me to say it or not, but um, yeah. I use uh, Genova Diagnostics, their NutriVal, and um, they do a Figlu is what it's called. And it's the way I describe it to my clients, it's kind of like we're looking at a biomarker in the middle of a pathway mm-hmm. that uses folate, 
for instance, for Piglu. So we want to know how well, like how well is your main freeway system through the city operating? And if it's not jammed up, then we know that that's working really well, which also tells us there's adequate foley in that pathway. Mm. It's also a really good way to look at B12. B12 is really hard to measure on a blood test. Like, hey, here's how much B12's floating in your bloodstream. It's like, well, that's not inside your cells. And that's where B12 and folate are really active. So we want to try to you know, look at things from more functional um, mm. perspective in terms of those biomarkers. That makes sense. And before we leave this topic of methylation, um, you know, kind of the precursor of glutathione, if we have the right methyl groups, we can create glutathione, a natural anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. Do you suggest or have people, you know, whether it's for you or just taking glutathione or is it more about the precursors again? Yeah. yeah so I'm always a fan of let's let the body do what it was designed to do. Mm -hmm. As much as possible, I like to um, intervene in a, in a very um, like little intervention because I think intervention begets intervention. And there's still a lot we don't know um, in this realm. So yes, to answer that, I use glutathione when I think someone is really in need of it. Um, some examples of that would be if they have um, high heavy metal load. Um, glutathione is, I call it the bodyguard. It's like in the club, hanging out, watching for the troublemakers, right? Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of trouble in this club. And it links arms with that, you know, bad guy and takes them out of the club. Mm. So that's what glutathione does. It'll link arms with toxins or waste that we need to get rid of. Um, glutathione gets oxidized really quickly when we take it. So it's not the best way to do it. Um, if we look at, and I'm such a visual person, but we have our methylation cycle. And then kind of under that, we have what's called our transsulfuration. And not to get too geeky, mm. but that's where we make glutathione. And there's an enzyme that's actually also a gene, the CBS enzyme, that I like to call the coin flipper mm. between heads and tails. Like, what are we going to land on? Heads is methylation. Tails, transsulfuration. So the body will know, um, you know what, if I've got this interview today, I got to pump out my neurotransverse, lots of methyl groups. Mm. Um, if I just, you know, had a rough weekend and did like a huge race and I need to recover and I've got a lot of oxidative stress and inflammation, call the firefighters in, which I like to call, you know, glutathione is one, superoxide dismutase and catalase. It's Batman, Robin, Catwoman fighting the crimes of inflammation. We gotta make it fun, right? I love superheroes. You know, I'm all about superheroes. <laughs> Otherwise, it just gets too boring. So, um, you know, what I like to do is support the body. The precursors are amino acids for our glutathione, and then vitamin C and alpha lipoic acid help to keep Batman strong, like, you know, holding up the arms of Batman so he can keep fighting. And, um, and then selenium is really important as well. So those are some of the things that I look at on a Nutrival to see what the nutrient status is for individuals. 
and I support it that way typically. So that's my long answer. Sorry. No, it's like, I love it. I'm so many notes happening. The transulfuration, just a quick little backtrack. Um, your favorite in sulfur vegetables, sulfur rich vegetables, is that cruciferous and broccoli sprouts, broccoli? Is that where all that sulfur comes from? Because I do, I do feel like a lot of us are really deficient in sulfur, maybe causing that glutathione uh, dysfunction. Yeah. So the, you know, it's sulfur bridges that hold, those are the actual chemical bonds that hold these different amino acids together. So it is really important that we get good sulfur content in our diet. So um, all the cruciferous, so that'd be like broccoli, cauliflower, um, even the cabbages, those are awesome in salads or fermented to get good you know, uh, probiotics. Um, the green leafies, like the, you know, uh, kale is one of them it lasts a long time in your fridge and then um, also onions and garlic ah. loaded with sulfur so those are you know a lot of people say like I get so gassy with uh, onions garlic broccoli all that kind of stuff with sulfur and that's when I say ah something's going on with your buddies in your belly something is a little bit off there that we need to think about Let's jump into that, actually. So when you're, when you're not able to poop out your problems and you're, <laughs> you're getting a little bit gassy off of food, I want to talk about, um, you know, for me, I just feel like the word probiotic, everyone knows, I think, at this point to take it. Everyone knows that it's important. I want to know, you know, the types and kinds and just really add depth to the fact that it's more than just grabbing something off the shelf and, and kind of how you got into this journey of what you briefly touched on buddies in my belly, which is this new children's book coming out and really interactive, you know, with toys and with probiotics. It's just like really exciting how you're doing it. And I want to know what made you think this is needed. Um, Yeah. So uh, great question. So going back to this important concept of what we call in the you know, medical world, the research world, a microbiome or a gut microbiome, which, you know, I, I think I'm like, you know, I have people look at me like, are you, are you telling me I have a beer belly? Like, what, what, what are we talking about here? <laughs> so it's, it's this really important concept that we've discovered really even in the last 10 to 15 years that I would say is changing and challenging the way we think about human health. And I, I know this because of my studies, and, um, but it's, it's not communicated well. There's not a great language for it. So I have a, a daughter, and at the time she was about uh, two and a half when I thought, how can I communicate this concept to even a two or three-year-old in a way that they'll understand it? looking at my clients in my clinical practice, a lot of them come in, they don't have any background in science. And I start saying these words and it's like, you know, quickly over their head and they're overwhelmed. So I thought, okay, time to put on the creative glasses. How do I communicate this in a way that's fun? So my first thought was a lot of times we talk about like bacteria, which is what most of our microbiome in our digestive tract is as bugs, right? Like the bugs, the bugs. And so I thought, okay, bugs in my belly, bugs in my belly, both bees, you know, and um, quickly realized that kids are very literal. So my daughter's like, 
mommy, are there ants in my belly? What <laughs> 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 she asked, I was like, well, that's not going to work. So, uh, <laughs> it was so funny. So my husband's like, well, you need something a little more friendly. What about buddies? I thought, oh, that's cool. Buddies in my belly. So I started practicing that and it quickly caught on as just a great concept for what I say, a four-year-old or a 40-year-old to understand. Mm. So what I did is I created a story. It's called Buddies in My Belly, a story about probiotics, because I wanted to explain the concept of the microbiome and what probiotics are, but in a super fun, simple way that's still based on science. And it allows children to really be involved in their health and families. Mm. Something I think that's really missing in our world today is engaging the family structure, right? Like a lot of adults are interested in this stuff, but my challenge to myself was how do we get kids involved in, in their health early on? Mm, I love it. So the, so the buddies are um, characters in the book that are based off the main species or family of bacteria that live in our belly. Um, so we have in the book, the characters are lacti, and um, this is Lacti. Okay, I have I have visuals, and you'll see them. We'll have toys, but Lacti <laughs> is stands for Lactobacillus, and Lactobacillus we know helps with um, it's a very anti-inflammatory buddy that helps break down gluten and dairy. Some of the big issues that we see in our population, and they're very dynamic and complex. But it really does go back to the buddies. The buddies are doing a lot of the work here. And um, lactobacillus helps us you know, break down our food to be used for energy is really important. And um, this kind of goes into a really new innovative area, but lactobacillus or lacti helps actually make certain neurotransmitters mm. for our brain health. One of them specifically is something called acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is really important for memory, mental sharpness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of think about kids with learning or as adults get older, uh, where we have issues with um, memory, cognitive decline, acetylcholine is really important. So that's Lacti. I love it. I really love that we're touching into the neurotransmitters because not a lot of people are talking about this. And I think with acetylcholine, I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, even for like basically taking precursors for acetylcholine, mm -hmm. which I think is great, but it makes so much more sense. It's still the same thing that you said. Like, why aren't we finding the root issue? Yeah. Um, Good buddies, right? And then a lot of us are in, our, in the population are actually on medications that inhibit the um, production of acetylcholine. So it's a big group of um, medications like antihistamines, so allergy meds, oh, wow. um, antidepressants, um, anti-anxiety meds. Those are all medications as classes that can inhibit acetylcholine production. So really important for us to think going back to our buddies, right? If we set up our buddies well, we can kind of have this like, free vitamin shop, so to say, in our belly, right? Or they're making nutrients, they're making neurotransmitters, and they're regulating most of our health. You know, our buddies are 
about two to five pounds of who we are. So when you step on the scale, all of you listening, appreciate two to five pounds of who you are. It's actually not you. That's so <laughs> and, cool. <laughs> regulating so much of your health. So we really want to focus on healthy buddies. Mm. So um, I, I don't have to go in super great detail, but we have- No, you should. I can't, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So Biffy is, um, in the book, Biffy is for bifidobacterium. And Biffy is even shaped, um, his character is shaped like what bifidobacterium looks like under the microscope. Mm. So my company, what we say, kind of our slogan is serious science, serious health, that's seriously fun, right? So everything we do is based off of the science. So bifidobacterium is a um, really interesting buddy. Um, in the book, Biffy helps us go poop because it is true. Uh, you know, going to the bathroom is a really important thing that all of us need to do at least once a day, maybe even more than that. And um, Biffy is another probiotic that actually makes neurotransmitters. Mm. And the neurotransmitter that Biffy makes the most of is GABA. And this is, this is really revolutionary. And in, our, in our, our company, we're launching with a Be Calm probiotic. Mm. And this is kind of, I would say, pretty innovative. It's a bunch of different strands of bifidobacterium that have been shown to make GABA. What is GABA? GABA is the... Oh, the get calm neurotransmitter. Yeah. It's like, I feel good. I can chill, hang out, watch a movie, not be like folding laundry on my phone, putting my to-do list together for tomorrow. You know, like crazy brain, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of glutamate. And GABA and glutamate, we want a balance of those two. And a lot of times we have issues with too much glutamate. Mm. Our, our culture stimulates that in us too. And then we can't calm. Or we have kids who are way too hyperactive. They don't sleep well, adults too. And then we can't focus well because our brains are trying to perceive everything. And it's overwhelming. So and I think that's super interesting too, because so I've had quite a few concussions. Um, so my glutamate pathways were like overfired and I have always had a hard time with GABA production. Yes. And, and I did the GABA test where you take the GABA and if it passes through, I'm curious your thoughts, but if it passes through that blood brain barrier, I took GABA as a supplement and I felt so calm and relaxed. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to take this every day. But I knew it, it wasn't a good thing that it had that reaction for me. It was showing something was going on with one, I'm not producing my own. And two, I have some gut repair to do. So I think that's so incredible that you're connecting the two and being able to create a product off of it. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And education, right? Like that's my... Yeah. That's my big thing of, you know, doing, making it fun, teaching kids when they're young, like, oh, Biffy. And kids, so many kids, another issue is stool holding or like incomplete bowel movements. And so having a way for parents to talk about, you know, like, hey, Biffy's going to help you have a perfect poop. That's in the book. Yeah, yeah totally. It makes it more of a conversation that is, it's easier for families to have with their kids. And it makes it more of a normal process, which it is, and we should be able to talk about it. I love it. I love it. 
Awesome. Um, for you, do you feel like everyone should be on a probiotic or does it need to be, should they be on a probiotic? I guess is the first question. Second question, should it be catered to their body and what they're needing? Um, or is there just, you know, not a probiotic quite out there that you suggest? Do you suggest probiotic rich foods? I don't know. I'm kind of curious your thoughts of what to look like and look for in a probiotic and it doesn't depend on the person and what they need. Mm -hmm. That is such a great question. And I get that all the time. So first thing kind of, again, I, like let's go as a pilot up in the plane. We know that our microbiome is established basically at birth. And now there's even some thoughts that the amniotic fluid while a baby is developing in a mother's womb is actually part of how they start to establish their microbiome. So we know, you know, baby born vaginally versus C-section has different buddies to start off with. Now, the question is, does that last, that difference? And we don't really know, but the first couple years of life is the most important because that intestinal tract is like prime real estate. And, you know, New York City, it's like, oh man, this is where we all want to be. Mm -hmm. So whatever colonizes early on is very important for long-term health. That's, you know, something we're seeing in research. So what I say is, first of all, I do think that supplementing with the probiotic in the first few years of life is really important. Um, that's why we're launching with a uh, Buddies in My Belly um, infant probiotic powder that's really targeted towards the species that we want to colonize in babies. Um, really, really important. Another really cool thing is breastfeeding actually um, helps Bifi establish uh, bifidobacterium because there's bifidofactor in breast milk. Mm. So there's some really cool things that you know mamas can do early on. Um, then you know, we have in childhood, a kid's immune system isn't really fully developed until they're about age seven. And the buddies play a really big role in immune system function. There's a big connection there. So even like young children, I think it's important for them to get support as well. Hmm. So that's kind of answering it, especially for young kids. Yes. Now, if you've been on an antibiotic, um, or you're on medications that hurt the buddies or disrupt the buddies, then it's more important to be on a probiotic more consistently. Mm. Or if you're working on something for your health, right? Like you kind of, you've had a head injury, so you have high glutamate levels. Me too, I've had three. Mm. Um, you know, you uh, have in, inflammation in your digestive tract. Um, you have mood dysregulation. You know, you should definitely think about your um, buddies and what's going on there. But the biggest thing in research is what you eat. Mm. More than supplementing, it is what you're eating. So the Human Microbiome Project, super cool. You can go, it's National Institutes of Health. Um, you can go in and look at any information they have. They started in 2008. And we're really looking at the microbiome and actually the genes of this bacteria. And their genes outnumber our genes a thousand to one. Wow. So they're doing a lot like genetically too, if we, you know, cross over into that like crazy realm. But what's really important is diversity of your plant foods. Mm. So 25 species 
of plant foods a week is the goal. And I tell people that, and you know, that is challenging to do. So that is so crazy hard. Um, yes. I'm trying to think that, I mean, the, I always demand my, I like always make sure I have greens powders and that's, I don't know if I could do it if I didn't have greens powders. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a great way. And there's great ways to sneak it in, but the book, my, my um, buddies in my belly book is based off of the concept of feeding the buddies with mm-hmm. our foods. So the whole book goes through, you know, the different buddies, what they do for us. And Ruby is the little girl in the book, um, who's the character who talks about her buddies and her belly and how they help her. But it's all about the foods they eat, um, because that is the most important thing for establishing a good microbiome. And at the end of the book, it's actually got a feed the buddies food guide. And it's a little tear out that, you know, people can put on their fridge with little stickers that kids can actually populate. Like, did I eat a red food today? Did I eat a yellow food today? Did I eat a green food? Am I feeding my buddies? You know, we got to take care of them. So, you know, my goal with this, again, is education. Mm -hmm. And it's empowering kiddos and parents to know how to take care of their buddies from an early age. Now, this is important for adults, too. Mm, I love this. And I think for you, can you talk a little bit about, uh, I, I just have an issue with kombucha. I think I see, I don't know what it is. I would love to know your thoughts. Of course, sauerkraut and kimchi and yeah. probiotic rich foods, but can you talk to me? Do you love kombucha? What are your thoughts on kombucha? Yeah, I think, I think that gets into, again, being very individualized for the person. It's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it's all the rage. And do I drink kombucha? I do. Do I pound like three bottles of it a day? No, I don't. Um, you know, anything fermented for some people who have histamine issues um, can be problematic. And that actually goes back to having more bad germs or bugs in your belly instead of buddies mm. and produce histamine. Mm. Be really sensitive. Um, but I think like anything, you know, maybe a little kombucha is fine, but we don't want to overdo it. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Pickled veggies, do I eat a jar of those? No, because that's not going to go over well either. <laughs> it's, you know, it's about finding um, balance in, in what you're taking um, in terms of your probiotic, you know, content. Okay, that makes sense. And then for uh, anybody that has, you know, how do we find out your good versus bad bacteria balance? Do you always suggest a stool test? You know, that's a great question. I, in my clinical practice, I will use that. Um, but I will tell you most people have imbalances um, and that I just typically go off of symptoms. Now, if they're more severe, we definitely do testing because if they've got some type of infection going on, that's more significant. We want to know that, mm-hmm. but we're always working on good buddies, you know, in, in, Anybody I work with, anything I'm doing, I'm always targeting that, whether we talk about it or not. <laughs> it's always a strategy of mine. 
That's good. And with somebody that comes up to you and they have been on antibiotics, there was kind of no option or they just felt like there was no option. And that was just something that happened, whether it was really recent or it was a series of rounds. Uh, what's your very first protocol for them? Is it just, let's get you as many probiotics as possible. I just see this happen a lot. We almost, you know, go so far the other way where it's demonized a little bit. Like you cannot have a probiotic or you cannot have an antibiotic um how do you bring that up um, yeah i would like to know your kind of stance yeah, and your so, approach to that so first and foremost and this is from firsthand because after um i had my wisdom teeth out i had a horrible um ear and sinus infection um that i mean it, it would have i would have put me in the hospital um if i wasn't careful so i went in and i was on antibiotics for three weeks and the doctor said it was very good you came in because if not, you could have been septic and been in the hospital with IV antibiotics. So from a personal story, antibiotics save lives. Hmm. Um, and there is definitely a place for them. Um, I'm a huge proponent of that. And I think we're getting a little bit more careful with over prescribing them in the medical community. It's still an issue, but yeah, they're, they're sometimes very needed. Now, when we use antibiotics, um, this gets into like going back to some of the genetics, some classes of antibiotics we want to be really careful about because they can cause a lot of damage to the mitochondria. Mm. Um, but when we, you know, in terms of the buddies, right. Um, couple things after a course of antibiotics, the appendix, it does have a purpose. Oh, um, man, I'm curious to learn this. <laughs> I, I like to say the appendix is a place where the buddies hide out during the hurricane storm in the gut. Like, so if you get really sick with a stomach bug and everything's moving through fast with lots of diarrhea, you're going to wipe out your good microbiome, your good buddies. So one of the areas that your microbiome hides is your appendix. And then you repopulate after the storm passes, right? We rebuild just like we do after a hurricane. So when you go on antibiotics, um, if you have an appendix, you know, a lot of people should be able to repopulate well. Now to accelerate that process, going on a good broad spectrum probiotic that's higher colony forming units is a great idea. Hmm. Um, you know, in terms of like pounding the, uh, fibers after, after, you know, your stomach's really sensitive, you get, you have to be careful because it, you're, it's not going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's where the probiotics are a great tool. And what I, what I look at with my clients is if people have had their appendix removed, they're going to have a harder time repopulating. What, when do, when that happens, is it just a buildup of so it just bursts. Basically, it just turns into something. I, I'm always curious what causes that yeah. appendix burst. And I'd say there's a lot of theories out there. I don't. I wouldn't say we really know, but here's a couple of my thoughts. Just observationally, I've found that a lot of people who end up with their appendix removed have had issues of chronic constipation. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people have a history of more bad germs or the bugs than the buddies. So when that happens, could you have more likelihood for that appendix to be infected with bad bacteria? Yeah. Mm. And, you know, could it 
get infected to the point where you have to have it removed? Absolutely. Like it can be a needed surgery. But again, if we target this like in a infant and a young child, mm-hmm. we can set them up for such better health, you know, as they get older. When when you when you talk about your types of biffy and lacti and them, yeah, oh yeah, I do. Tell me about the two others. <laughs> yeah, we have um, Basili. And, oh, Basili is um, a superhero. Oh, no, yeah. he's a superhero. <laughs> So we have, we have Bacilli here and um, Bacilli is really interesting because it, Bacilli stands for Bacillus and Bacillus is a group of spore forming bacteria. Hmm. And we're, we're looking into this kind of class of probiotics a lot more and having some really interesting success with it. So what I like to say, and in the book, um, Biffy's a a superhero that fights off the bad germs. There's actually a fight scene and there's bad germs that are named like H. pylori and C. diff and E. coli and salmonella. (laughs) They all have names and Biffy's, you know, just destroying them in kind of like a old Batman type um, comic scene. (laughs) So, you know, this is where in the book we talk about these good bacteria, the probiotics really helping um, with our immune system function and then keeping the bad germs really in balance. It's not that they don't exist in our body. They do, but it's, it's all about keeping them, you know, in balance. And what I like to say to my clients, this kind of goes, goes back a little bit, but if everybody's hanging out in the bar, let's say we don't want um, a coyote ugly scene or like the bad bugs jump up on the bar and like take over the scene that's when we have issues with our health. We just want to say like, hey, you can be here, but you are not the star of the show. Got it. I like that. Is there a neurotransmitter that Bacillus is connected with at all? Yes. Um, So Bacillus has been shown to produce dopamine Mm. and um, norepinephrine. So those would be the catecholamines or what we call like the stimulatory you know, get up and go neurotransfers. Also like, Hey, I feel good. I'm motivated about life. Yeah. And is it, I, this is before the final one, you might already address this, but since so much of our dopamine is made up in the small intestine, is there certain areas where there's more of lacti or um, bacillus or are they kind of just in general all over? Great question that I don't know if I could actually say with any certainty. Right? Yeah. Super random. I did no, no, it's good. Great question. Um, and then our last character in the book is Streppy. And She's this so is cute. I had people, they're like, Streppy, Sarah, why would you put Streppy in the book? And I'm like, because just wait, Streppy's going to, you know, make a scene in terms of research. So Streppy is Streptococcus. Now, a lot of us have heard of that for strep throat. And this is a really big problem with kiddos, but also it can be a problem adults with chronic, you know, strep throat infections. So streppy is a bacteria that's really important for ear, nose, throat health. Mm. And there's been some studies, a lot of them have been done in, uh, I believe it's Australia, New Zealand, about the right forms of streptococcus in the mouth and throat can actually reduce the amount of strep throat infections that kids have and Mm. cavities. Oh, wow. And that makes sense of the cavities. Yeah. Ear infections too, which are a big problem with younger children. 
oh, their, their tubes in their ears are more flat than they are when we're adults. So they, they get a little more jammed up, so to say. Is this similar to like hand foot, what do they call it? Hand foot? Um, mouth. So that's a virus. Okay. So, so totally different. Yeah. And then also streppy is being looked at for, we have buddies in our nose. We have buddies in our mouth and on our skin, in our nose, ears. It's, they're all over the place. Even the eyeball. There was actually a research article that came out that our eyeball has a microbiome. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that makes me so happy because I'm saying, I say this because my dear friend Wade, he has a degenerative eye disease. And when I got him to eat more vegetables, it, I, he like swears that changing his diet, eating more variety of vegetables, whatever it was, um, and cutting out quite a bit of inflammatory foods, his eye, it's like stopped progressing or degressing. Um, that's really cool. It is. So streppy is really important for the nasal microbiome, the buddies okay. in your nose. And Dr. Dale Brennison, um, he, he's been teaching with the Institute for Functional Medicine about Alzheimer's. And one of the things they're doing in their clinic is looking at the nose microbiome, that nasal, the buddies that live there, and how that impacts brain health. Because you've got bad bugs in your nose and they're kicking off a bunch of garbage waste. Where does that go? Right to your brain. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. I never would connect to that. Yeah. So the oh. buddies, I'm telling you, the buddies are like, everybody needs to know about the buddies. And what's really cool is, you know, I did, I did a survey about this too. And I said, you know, when you hear probiotic, what do you think? Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh yes, sir. I've heard they're good. You know, some people kind of get a little more geeky and they're like, oh, gut health, you know, all they know a little bit more about the immune system connection. But a lot of us don't have a way to communicate this simply and have a common language. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think I'm so excited about that Buddies, you know, really does is whether you're a parent, you're a teacher in the schools, you're a healthcare professional, even a researcher we can talk about the buddies in a way that everybody can understand, mm-hmm. which is really exciting because this is where a lot of our research is pointing towards, you know, we're really connecting this and it's the buddies are really an organ, you know, they're, they're doing a lot for our health, um, you know, skin health, um, our mood, our brain, even um, cardiovascular health. We're now connecting to, the buddies. I love it. And I love knowing how much, how much we have on our skin, you know, and even just like the soap that we use, if we are constantly stripping that away. Um, what is, I don't remember the specific, uh, uh, what is the one that's on the skin? Mother dirt. The, um, there's a whole line of, um, a company that came out with like, they're actually bacilli. They're soil-based um, organisms that are, it's like a healthcare, skincare line. Oh, I love that. Mother Dirt. I'll look up that. I think I saw that at Paleo Effects, actually. Yeah. So um, I've heard for people who, you know, have issues with their skin microbiome, um, it's, you know, it's been really helpful for their skin. 
I love that. So um, one more thing, because I'm so just in love with this, with genetic testing, what do you suggest? Because I know 23andMe changed a little bit. You do. Uh, as, as of August, and I got my testing done before, so I got really lucky. But what do you suggest for people that want to find those SNPs, um, want to learn more about their own genome? Is there something coming out, or do you think 23andMe would suffice? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have a, a very good friend and colleague who's um, working on a solution to this. So 23andMe changed their chip from a chip four to chip five, and you can actually look to see what version you have. Um, you're right, after August 17th, it's not a good idea, in my opinion, to use 23andMe anymore because they removed thousands of SNPs from their report. Now, they didn't tell anybody about this, which is kind of like, what are they doing? Yeah. But there's a lot of companies that use their kit with the report. So um, uh, um, Nutrition Genome is, is my favorite. I use their report in my clinical practice. And they will, I think as of next week, have a swab kit. And this is another thing that's really nice. So you know, people who can't produce enough saliva, which happens in like different autoimmune conditions, um, it's harder um, in the older population a lot of times, and then in the really young population. Like you can't really get a baby to spit unless you collect their drool, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's going to be a, a swab kit that um, has a two-week turnaround. So instead of like six to eight weeks. That's incredible. Yeah. So this is. Um, and there are some um, genes in there because I'm, um, I'm, I'm actually on their board of advisors. So I help with the, hey, what genes do we want on this report and why? And how does that connect to, you know, different cases and health? And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool report and test. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Yep. So okay. genome.com uh, is their website. Tons of great information. Like they have more articles on how to connect your genes to your health with lifestyle, environment, family history than anything I've ever seen. And I, I just love them. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, I'm glad that, that I found out about that uh, 23andMe. That's so silly that they would do that. I don't, that really is frustrating. And we don't really know why there's some speculation that they're kind of um, pairing up with the pharmaceutical companies to do mm. research for you know, new drug development that's more based off of genetics, which, you know, there's some pros to that and also some cons. So. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then for your buddies in the belly, um, tell me where, you know, when can we expect to see these? And I just would love to get people involved as much as they yeah, can. So. Absolutely. So our book um, and our three probiotics we're launching with the infant, the children's chewable, and then the Be Calm, that Biffy. Mm -hmm. um, product for GABA is, um, and then we also, to back up, we'll have little toy figurines of the buddies. Because my goal is I want kids to really interact with the brand. So we will launch all of that um, at the beginning of January 2018. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yes. This this is so entertaining. I, I just really want to get coffee with you soon. Yeah, let's Talk do more. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. Um, what's your website again? I, thegeneclean.com? 
Um, yep. So my clinical practice is mygeneclean.com. Uh, Buddiesinmybelly.com is where people will be able to find the the book, the probiotics, and the toys um, as of January. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you again for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Emily. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys, for joining.